I'm going to preach something tonight. I've preached this before. I wasn't going to preach this. Uh, this isn't what I, you know, I did that crazy thing and prayed about this. And uh, I feel like the Lord wants me to preach this tonight. I want the Holy Ghost to help us, don't you? Let's, let's, look, at, let's look at verses 1 through 7 of 2 Kings chapter 6. The sons of the prophets said unto Elisha, Behold, now the place where we dwell with thee is too straight for us, or that can be interpreted as too small. It's a little, it's a little constricted. You know, they're men, they want a little room. Right? Okay. So he asked this request, he said, let us go. We pray thee unto Jordan, take thence every man a beam and let us make a place there where we may dwell. And the man of God answered and said, okay, go, go ye. One said, be content, I pray thee, and go with thy servants. And he answered and said, I'll, I'll go. Verse 4, so he went with them. And when they came to Jordan, they cut down wood. They were fallen trees there. But as one was felling a beam, the axe head fell into the water. And he cried. And he said, Alas, Master, for it was borrowed. And the man of God said, Where fell it? He showed him the place. He cut down a stick. He cast it in thither, and the iron did swim. Everybody say, That's a miracle. That's a miracle. You, ever, you ever drop anything in this river? You try that trick? Good luck. <laughs> you got to have some kind of walk with God. Uh, I don't want to preach and draw my text tonight from verse 5. Man, I feel this for somebody. Where he cries out after he's lost the head of that axe into the water. And he said, Alas, Master, it was borrowed. I've lost something that didn't even belong to me. Hmm. God, we need your help in this house. I wish men of God would pray right now. Yeah, 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 yeah. In the name of the Lord, 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 alas, Master, for it was borrowed. Before you're seated, turn to two or three people, give them the best smile you've got. Come on, show them every tooth you own legally. Tell them you're glad they're here. 
Come on, you probably heard me say it before. Even if you bought them, they're yours. Show them off. <laughs> Even if they're on layaway. <laughs> you may be seated tonight. It was the year 2006 when a group of friends were spending time together in a little cottage. They were on vacation together, a group of friends just outside of Toronto, this place to the north where our esteemed colleague and great friend, Brother Woodward, is going to be preaching to us more this weekend where he's from there up north. And You know, it's a dangerous thing when a group of guys gets bored. <laughs> some of you got some real stories about days you got bored. Some of you missing digits from days you got bored. <laughs> they don't call you stumpy for nothing. They... <sighs> they uh, recognized that one guy had an axe. And guys that were bored... They didn't know how fun it could be to just throw an axe. I've, I've wondered how the conversation actually started. Bill, what do you want to do? I don't know. John, what do you want to do? Man, I don't know. I don't think there's anything to do. You have anything? Got an axe. I'm not sure if they were intoxicated, <laughs> but somehow they decided they should throw. <laughs> Seems like a dichotomy. Let's throw it. All right. It's a loyal friend when they'll go along with something like that. They picked out a stump and they decided they'd start throwing the axe. Well, most of you know that since then, it's really become history because that's the inception of something that is now known as the Backyard Axe Throwing League. I'm convinced, men, that anything we can make competitive. <laughs> you think anybody will like it? Could we maybe make a point system? Like a 10 and an 8 and a 6. and If I get more points than you, you got to tell Earlene that I beat you. <laughs> we can do that. I'm in. Took it home, the lead guy of the axe throwing league that would be the founder, took it home and invited some friends over. He had put some wood up there behind the house and he had kind of fenced it off on the side so that you didn't throw an axe through your neighbor's window. Nothing says homeowners association like throwing an axe through the window. He invited some friends over, but pretty soon six turned to eight and eight turned to 16. And it wasn't but a couple of weeks and that league had turned into 60 rednecks at a time. <laughs> I don't know if they were rednecks. They might not have known they were rednecks. <laughs> You don't have to dress hillbilly to be hillbilly. Come on, somebody. But it's taken off to where there is now a backyard axe-throwing league that's across 
multiple nations. It is worldwide phenomena. I, I don't know if that even is a thing here in West Virginia. Has anyone here ever been to something that's called a back, uh, an axe throwing place? Maybe it wasn't this, but you've been somewhere where you did axe throwing? Come on, lift your hand. You've done this you, you, because you spend your money wisely. Raise your hand. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, some things just come out. Here's the deal, ladies and gentlemen. Ladies are only the people who don't know how to swing an axe. The, the, you know, there was a day when an axe wasn't a toy. There was a day when an axe was used for more than having fun. There was a day when an axe was used for warfare. There was a day when an axe was used for building things when they found out that that axe even when shaped with metal pull that out of the ground and use the right forming get that thing tempered just right man you could do a lot of work with an axe there was a day when an axe was more than just to have fun in the pastime there was also a day when the church was more than a game There was also a day when prayer was more than something we did so that the pastor would leave us alone. Let me take you into the text so I can try to make sense of where I'm going here tonight. In 2 Kings chapter 6, we've got an issue. We've got an overcrowded population. I'm thankful for how many men are here on the first night. I've got to be honest. I wondered to myself, how many men could they get to show up on a Thursday night? And so I'm thankful to see this building so full tonight. And maybe I'm the only one, but I would say it bothers me when our ballparks are filled and our churches are isolated. I'm troubled that we don't have enough room in the prison, but we got too much room in the pew. But I've come to tell us and remind us here tonight that if we're waiting on somebody else to do something about it, we need to take a strong look in the mirror. I'm going to talk like a man to men tonight. Is that all right? You invited me on purpose. I'm going to preach at what I feel here tonight. We're going to have to at some point stop expecting our wives to pray the men through. Well, we'll have a move of God if she'll get a hold of God. That's not the call for this hour. The call for this hour is men, men that will make a difference in the kingdom of God. Punch your neighbor a little bit and tell him he's talking to you. Please be seated. But it is a crowded environment. There's a lot of people there. Why is there so many people here, Elijah? Why, why, why are there so many people? I'm going to tell you why there is a crowded environment. When a weeping mother comes to him whose sons are about to be taken for the death that's owed for a dead father that's gone who she has said he was one of your faithful servants. But there's nothing left. He said, tell me what you've got. I don't have anything save a pot of oil. And it's the only place found in scripture. And all that it means is she had enough oil left for death. 
I've got enough oil to die. What she didn't know is God is in the economy where you've got nothing left but what can be used for the miraculous. God can really begin to show off. And the man of God said, go and borrow. Come on, how many remember this story? And at the end of the miraculous day, the oil had stayed when all the vessels were full. Miracles like that will draw a crowd to the man of God. Let me put it in today's terminology. Let everybody pull into your parking lot and mysteriously there's an overabundance of fuel. You draw a crowd. Five whatever a, dollar, a gallon. How about the time when Elisha prayed a Shunammite's, a Shunammite woman's dead child right back to life? <laughs> uh, that'll draw a crowd. I will tell you it draws more of a crowd than when we just shout about what could happen forever. Elisha didn't do a whole lot of let's shout about what could happen. And I thank God for all of our old memories and all of our past victories. But at some point we've got to get tired of shouting about what did. And get back to anticipating what can. The reason he was drawing such a crowd is because there were fresh miracles that were occurring. I'm going to say that again. Fresh miracles were occurring. Your church can have fresh miracles occurring. God can put marriages back together today. He can still heal those that are wounded and raise up Last week, Brother Bounds, I had a man five days ago that they walked in and told the family, call in the rest of the family, say your goodbyes. He doesn't have 24 hours left. We could have done one of two things. We could have simply accepted it and said, well, sometimes we don't understand the will of God. Or we could thunder and get the church praying. When I went to just see him five days later, when I went to see him a couple days ago, the same man they had told the family a week ago would be in the grave by this time was sitting there eating breakfast waiting on the discharge paper. You know what the doctor said? They said, we can't explain it. We're not sure what happened. We don't know. And you want to know what he said? I know exactly what happened. God is still in the miracle working business. I feel like I need to build somebody's faith right now. He can still do miracles. He can still reach into your situation. He can still reach to your backslidden child. He can still reach into your home. He can still do miracles. Yes, he can. I clap your hands if you believe it. Somebody lift, come on, let a man of God lift up your voice and shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Maybe seated. He saves the lives of two sons of the prophets in 2 Kings 4 when they were asked to make pottage. You remember the story. Elisha's involved in the miraculous healing of Naaman, the Syrian general from leprosy. You remember the story. I'm gonna tell you why it was crowded. Because he was bad to the bone. Yeah. 
God honored him. And that'll draw a crowd. If we stop thinking that our music will be the greatest attractant. And we stop thinking that if we remodel the sanctuary, it'll get it done. Come on, I'm going to preach this right now. I'm in the middle of a remodel. So much square footage, I can't hardly imagine it. But I told our church, tearing up the carpet will not bring revival. Putting new seating in will not bring revival. But if you can get a drug addict that finds deliverance, he'll bring revival. If we can get a sinner buried in the name, it'll bring revival. We won't have to fight for the crowd. Come on, we don't have to fight for the crowd if we have the miraculous at work in our churches. <laughs> and it's happening. You might not know it. Be see, please. Thank you. You might not know it, but it's happening even right here in West Virginia. Miracles are happening. Yeah, they are. People are being filled with the Holy Ghost. And we know because they're speaking in other tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance. Backsliders are coming home. Prodigals are returning to the body. It's happening, not just around the world, but here. My problem is not that they were crowded. My problem was that he didn't like it. Because you know how we are as men. He's in my space. You ever had to share a tent with somebody? No, thank you. <clears throat> Why don't we go down there? We'll share my tent. Let's not. Why don't we pull back Cabela's on the way down? It's not on the way. Let's make it on the way. You going to sleep in your car? Yeah, I am. How many men in this room, you'd be honest right now, you'd like your space? Come on. Give me more than a Baptist nod. Somebody raise your hand. You, you. I saw some of you. Some of you, this is what you... Don't give me that. I dream a genie. Come on, give me a little something right here. You do. I like my space. Don't, don't. And I, we all men, right? I, I, you ever need space from your wife? Come on, you lie, you fry. You know when you want space. I can feel some of you. I got discernment right now. She wants more space from me than I want from her. I, I My problem is not that, not that it's crowded. My problem is that maybe not even that he wants space. My problem seems to be that this young gentleman trying to be acquainted in the school of the prophets close to the pastor is uncomfortable with proximity to the man of God. I love the miraculous. That part is real cool. But being too close to you is cramping my style. 
If you like good church, but you don't like being around your pastor, I'm just going to give you a blanket statement right now. That's not a him problem. That's a you problem. Now, Pastor Carson, how do you know you don't know me? I'll try the spirit and tell you right now. If you can't get along with your pastor, you need prayer time. You need prayer time. Because a good prayer meeting will re-fix your mentality and remind you the last thing I need is separation from the man of God. In my, if I need anything, I need to be close enough Because if I stay close to you, I won't have to cry to you when I lose the axe. I'll stay close enough you won't let me lose it in the first place. Be seated. I'm going to call for um, confident men right now, okay? You know who you are. Who in here you just know you can handle an axe pretty good? Be honest, come on, raise your calloused palm and just, we know you're manly. Some of you, I'm not sure on that, but the, you ever seen someone start, yeah, how many has ever been with someone when they start to swing an axe for the first time and they're just holding it wrong? I know who you are, you do this right here. In today's day and age, we do this right here. No, hold on. You're doing good. I just want to just hold on one second. Okay, now, now go again. No, you're doing good. So good, I want to get video. See, somebody go to swing an axe, and you can tell whether they swung an axe or not. You can tell how they hold it. You tell if they hold it like a baseball bat when in trouble. You tell if they don't know how to put their hand at the top and don't know how to slide and get that kinetic energy as it comes down. You, you tell. You can tell if a person doesn't know to check the axe head. You know, it matters if it's sharp. Did you, did you check the edge on that thing? Uh, what do you mean? Give me the axe. You ever seen somebody break an axe because they missed the head and hit the... Some of you whipped your own children over that right there. I can feel that right now. I don't know if I got discernment or suspicion working tonight, but I got... And so my problem is, here he goes and says, I'm uncomfortable. Let me build a spot. I'm going to tell you right now, I'm all for guys building you a place. Get you a spot. Get you a place. I'm all for that. At some point, you've got to adult. Right? At some point, we all had to move out of our parents' home. Some of you younger ones, hear me now. Okay? At some point, for the love of God, whose parents was it that told me to bring this up? Um, I think your parents told me. Uh, no. At some point, you got to, And so I understand. I appreciate that. I appreciate also you not expecting to have what your parents have at 50 
when you're 18. What do you mean going to build you and your brand new wife a dream home? Didn't go to school. Can't hold down a job at the still. <laughs> Big plans and low work ethic. I'll get back in the book. I'm in the book. I'm in the book. I want to build something. It's crowded here. All right. You got my blessing. Go ahead. Go build. You know, man of God, if you'd go with them, it'd be great. All right. Let's go. Here's my question tonight. How does someone who does not even own an axe have the audacity to build a house? And I know that we're in a time. I, I understand the historical uh, elements of what's taking place and there's, there's not an overabundance of axes that are available. I, I understand that. But I will tell you, I think it is audacious. Maybe at the very best for him to say, I'm gonna build a house, but he doesn't even have the wherewithal to recognize that the blade is loose. But it is no different than us thinking we can have a godly family. When we're not even the powerful prayer warriors of our home. Mad at our children for doing things in public. When we ourselves have a loose axe handle in private. Oh, I'm going to preach how I feel it right now. If we're really going to build something in this hour, we better identify whether or not we even know what we're doing. I can see him down by the river. I can see him eyeing up the tree. I'm gonna fall this tree. I'm, I'm gonna bring it down. And he looks around and he watches this one. Oh, okay. And he watches this one. Okay, okay, okay. And he takes the ax. I see his hands down here. I don't know, maybe he got a couple of hits in. Elder, maybe he got a couple good swings in. Maybe he's the one who loosened it, I don't know. But I do know this, soon as it came loose, if he had any experience at all, he'd have known. When, when you're not seasoned enough to know when it's coming loose... Boy, is that all right? That's when you're not seasoned enough. You think you can keep your marriage together and you're not seasoned enough to know. You wonder why your kid boy, I'm on this right now. I feel something right here right now. You wonder why your kids are acting like heathens, but they hear the way you talk about the people from church when you're at home. And you wonder. You wonder why. Here's the truth. That thing has lost its edge or it has come loose from the foundation. And either way, if you're not careful, that thing's about to fly into the water. And it must have been a devastating cry when he lifted up his voice and said, Alas, Master! For it was borrowed! And if we are not careful... The dangerous indictment against our apostolic men in this hour is that we are borrowing salvation that we refuse to buy. When our call is to buy 
if you can cast it out for Netflix every other weekend. You have not, I'm going to preach it right now. You have not bought this truth if you allow yourself to flirt with her on the job. You have not bought this if you're still sneaking to happy hour. You have not bought this truth if you're still sneaking a little dip and you're, you're still living the way that you know God has called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. You have not bought this. And I'm going to tell you what we are. We're like an unexperienced axeman on the brink of the river trying to build something to live in and we don't even know how to handle the axe. So I'm coming with a clarion call. We got to get back to knowing how to play. We got to cut. Come on, men. We've got to take up that authority and say, I got to learn how to handle the axe again. I got to know what it means to fast. I got to know what it means to seek God. I've got to know what it means to be submitted to the man of God. Pastored for a long time. I know you have. I found this in 13 years in Ohio, in the last two years in Indianapolis. I've got a lot of people that don't want my help until it's at the bottom of the river. Something in this room. Got a lot of people that don't want counsel until everything. And then, preacher, why won't you help me? So you didn't want to be close to me. You wanted to stay distanced from me. But now when everything's in turmoil, now you want my help. Man, I'm, pre I'm reaching for somebody tonight. I'm reaching for somebody that you came to men's conference, but even your family, your family's one foot out the door. You're blaming it on your pastor's personality. I've come with a word from heaven for you right now. You better get your family back up under the authority, back up close to the man of God. And I thank God. It was nothing short of a miracle. Pastor Bounds, it's nothing short of a miracle when that man of God cuts off that branch and throws it in the river. And that's the mercy of God. The mercy of God is that it can come back to life. That it can float and that it can be restored. In fact, I bet there's a hundred different people in this room that could say I'm the, I am the evidence of the mercy of God. It wasn't an accident. It was me. I was dead. I was on my way to hell and a preacher showed up. But I've got a word of warning on this first night. You won't need the miracle if you'll stay on task with the mission. I won't need you to intervene. I won't be weeping and crying to you and begging and pleading and having to publicly recognize that your walk with God is deeper than mine. If I would just stay close enough to you. But I'm going to tell you why he didn't. Be seated, be seated, just for your sake. You okay? Are you okay? We're, we're preaching. But we don't like to ask for instructions. 
One guy in here that likes to ask for directions when you're driving, I want an estrogen check. That's what I want. Come on, some of you are so alpha male, you won't even let Siri be a female voice on your phone. You know who you are. You'd rather take... You're laughing because it's true. You got some British male giving you directions because you don't... I had no woman help me. I ain't gonna tell me what I do. If we're not careful, no, you ain't gonna stop for direction, babe. Why don't you stop for direction? I know where I'm going. How many members the day of Atlas? If you ain't ever pulled out an Atlas and looked at it while you're driving, you haven't lived on the edge. <laughs> How many ever unfolded a full map while you were driving? Come on. That was the original window visor. That was the in-route visor. I don't want to stop and ask anybody for directions. And if we're not careful, we get caught up in the world's view of masculinity. We think being male means doing it all on your own. We think, being a, we think being a male means whether or not you can fight. Come on, even in the church we make jokes about it. I watch people full of the Holy Ghost that their favorite thing to do is reminisce about when they used to whip people. I question your Holy Ghost. I do. Come on now. It's not exciting to ask directions on anything. We like to be alpha male like to be strong like to be able to do our own thing it's natural to do this and it's not new to us this story proves it how embarrassing would it be if I say hey I want to go build me a place to live and then in the very next breath I have to say but I don't own an axe and if you wouldn't mind could you show me how to swing it don't you think that should have been the start But I'm going to tell you the problem is the individual was confused about who he was supposed to be. Are you, are, are you called to be a, a do-it-yourself kind of guy? Because I'm going to tell you right now, you can't just regurgitate some things from YouTube and think it'll make you spiritual. Let me talk to the young preachers in the room right now to the young preachers who thinks that you can listen to somebody's podcast and get up and preach what they preached and tell their stories and think that that gives you the ability to swing the axe. I got news for you. That thing will be laying in the bottom of the river. Buddy, I'm telling you the truth right now. Men of God that think you can fix your family like you can fix the hose. Anybody ever watched a YouTube? Be honest, you watched YouTube because nobody knew? And then you fixed something in your house. That means one of two things. Either A, you're cheap. Or B, you're cheap. But it can only be one of those two. Somebody said, no, I ain't cheap, I'm poor. <laughs> People that are not plumbers that tried to do the plumbing from YouTube. I have a word of caution for you. 
phone a friend. (laughs) But I bet I'm not the only one in here that's ever tried to fix something that I would have been better off. It was liberty for me when I found out I could ask for help. One of my favorite things to do before I preach, I call, a lot of times I call her. I call her, hey, man, this is what I'm feeling. What do you think? And sometimes, sometimes he'll go, uh, so, uh, say, say it to me one more time. I don't want to say it again. I tell him again. I, there's been multiple times. I, I say, I say it, and it's pause on the other end of the line. And I say, you know what I'm saying? And he'll say, uh, not, not really, not, not, <laughs> not really. I teach all my preachers at home: you never preach without having another voice to weigh what you're going to say. If your revelation is so deep, I'm trying to help every preacher in the room right now. Your revelation is so deep that even God don't get it. It might not be a revelation, it might just be revolting. And it might need removal. <laughs> Here's the deal. Everybody needs somebody in their life. They can sit down next to him and say, let's go over just a little bit. Right, listen, I know it's crowded, but here's what I've learned. It's safer for us if we're close than it is for us when we get isolated and act like we know what we're doing. Because the life from hell is to pull you out of proximity. You don't have to post pictures on Facebook for me to know you're backsliding. Just stop being faithful. Just slip in right when church is starting and slip out as soon as it's over and I can tell you where you're headed. Well, I don't really like the crowd. You're not an introvert. You're on your way to being lost. If you don't like fellowship with the body, it's not a personality issue. It is a sin issue. And it is materializing through isolation. And before long, you're going to be trying to build a house with no ability whatsoever. I'm going to say it on this first night of men's conference. We need the church. We need the church. We need the church. Stand with me. I want you to throw your hands towards heaven right now. God's trying to draw somebody back close to the body. He's trying to challenge some man in this place tonight. You don't need to try to do it on your own. You're not called to do it by yourself. Whoever I'm preaching to right now, God is calling you.
and saying you need to reaffirm your relationship with your pastor and your relationship with the church. Pastor Carson, we came to men's conference. I'm thankful you came to men's conference for the district, but I'm way more concerned with your faithfulness on the local level. in youth ministry for 20 years I told our young people don't you dare be a camp shouter when you're a, when you're a bump on a log at the local church not faithful to God the entire ball season but here we get to camp you're not shouting so God can see you you're shouting so all these people think you're something you're not you're like a guy holding an axe pretending you know how to fall a tree when really all you're doing you're like a social coffee drinker Face all tore up. You ain't fooling nobody. You don't drink coffee. Be man enough to say you don't like it. You know the beautiful thing for this? Would have been if he'd have just said, I don't know how. But if I say, I don't know how, everybody will know. It'd be better that they know before you embarrass yourself in front. But the enemy's desire is that you do become a public failure. He'd love you to have to battle back from a prison sentence. He'd... He'd love for you to lose everything because you couldn't you you just couldn't turn her down that she actually gave you some attention. He'd love to ruin your entire life, steal your kids from you because you didn't have somebody in your life close enough to that you could go to and say, I don't even know how to handle an act. If we're not careful, we're going to raise an entire generation of people who know how to clap in church but not know how to pray at home. Man, I feel something moving in this room right now. I need men that really want to touch God to lift your hands and your voice and begin to thunder in this place. I want you to pray so hard and fervently that the people around you will become educated on how to swing the axe in prayer. If you don't know how, I want you to listen and I want you to watch. I want you to listen to the people around you and I want you to watch the people. Simply because you play the part, you've got to learn how to play. You've got to learn how to fast. You've got to learn how to get a hold of God. We need a revival of men praying in the home. We need a revival of men turning off ESPN and opening up the Bible in the home again.
person, but we need family devotion again. Come on, we need to sit in the living room and pray with our families again. Somebody's whining for your family right now. I don't want you to worry if anybody else stops chopping. I want you to keep chopping right now. I want you to keep chopping right now. Some of you are learning how to pray in a new way. It's beginning to flow out of you. I want you to say those words. I'm not going to lose my son. I'm not going to lose my daughter. I am not accepting this. The enemy wants me to be a public failure, but I curse it in the name of the Lord. I am going to reaffirm my relationship with my pastor. Come on, somebody tell that to the Lord. I am going to make things right. I'm going to stop being embarrassed to ask when I don't know how to do it. I've got to have the help of God. I cannot do it by myself. It's not by might and it's not by power. I need the spirit. I need the spirit of the living God. children's life I need you to throw both hands up right now you need man I feel it so strong I want you to get out of your pew and come to the front you need God to intervene in your children's life press all the way in tight teach you how to swing this axe head right now. Come on, lift your hands right now. I want you to repeat after me. I believe in the promises of God. Come on, say it again. I believe in the promises of God. Say it again. I believe in the promises of God. I believe in the promises of God. I want you to hear me, ladies and gentlemen in this room, or men in this room, I want you to hear me right now. Just because they're gone does not mean God cannot do a miracle. And some of them are not gone yet, but you can see it. You found what they text. You see what's pulling on them. I'm telling you right now, your responsibility is not to be their friend, it is to be their father. 
It is not to be the gentleman that affirms them. It is to be the man of God that walks into your home and says, if we're going to build a house worth living in, then I'm... If you're paying the phone bill, take it back. If you paid for that car and she keeps going and getting, man, I'm, I'm, I'm in something right now. You paid for that car, don't you be afraid to take it back. It'd be better for you to offend them for the next few months than to lose them for the rest of eternity. But here's how I know it won't work. I know it won't work if I, if I expect them to do what I refuse to. I expect you to be faithful and they're wondering why aren't you? you to live better. I hear the way you talk to mom. Come on, I'm in it right now. I want you to throw your hands up. I want somebody to start cutting in the spirit right now. I want somebody... You can't jump on your motorcycle and ride away, ride away from this. You can't go to the garage and get away from this. as loud as you can. Come on, I want it to sound like we're falling timber in this place. 